In this episode, we talk about a couple of our favorite projects. Before we begin, let me tell you about our Storyline training courses at MasterStoryline.com. Master Storyline has video tutorials that will teach you how to build real courses professionally. Use the discount code FAVORITES38, all one word, to get 10% off the first year. Hey Dave, what's up? Hey, not much. Just living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> it's I always put you on the spot because you have to come up with a different thing every time. <laughs> I know, but but what's crazy is like I should know that you're going to ask me what's up. You know, <laughs> I should know that by now. But I'm always on the spot, so I always have just the dullest response. Like you're hoping maybe this time he won't ask me. <laughs> yeah, this will be the time. So I'm not even going to prepare. <laughs> Let's jump in. Uh, so today we're going to talk about uh, some of the, our favorite projects, and we're going to focus only on one. So you're going to share one from the Armstrong Space Museum. Yeah. And I'm going to share one that's a bit different, maybe not really e-learning, but it was done in Storyline, and it's a part of e-learning for another client. And he had an interesting like question proposal if something can be done and uh, I think I found a solution it works quite well and they're happy with uh, what I came up with but let's start with you Dave so what's the project it sounds exciting yeah and you know I I had a handful of projects that were just like fantastic to work on but I don't know this one just kind of stands out to me uh, I'd have to say it's my favorite. Um, and yeah, it was the Gemini 8 kiosk. It's an interactive kiosk for the Armstrong Air and Space Museum. Um, and just had a great time putting it together. But but mm-hmm. really what it is, is a um, well, little, little backstory. The museum's kind of centerpiece at the museum is the Gemini 8 space capsule. And um, it didn't have a lot of information around it. Sometimes they'd have someone standing there giving information, but oftentimes they didn't. So people would go around and they'd see the this space capsule, you know, that would kind of blast into space on a rocket and the astronauts would be up there and do some experiments and some things. But the actual story of the mission and um, – because it it was the first mission where they – two spacecraft docked in space. Mm -hmm. Um, There was also a major emergency. But people wouldn't necessarily get that from just looking at the capsule. So uh, it was a lot of fun to put this together and tell that story – tell the story about the emergency, tell the story about the mission and the crew, um, Neil Armstrong and David Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I built it in storyline. I uh, thought I thought that it would be, you know, valuable to have it as a kiosk, but also have it in a technology that could go on the web, could go on a tablet, because why not re- be, have something that's reusable? So is it uh, possible to see the project without going to the museum? Currently, um, it's only on the museum. I do have a couple of samples of it, but um, the idea is, you know, they could they could have it on some tablets and things at the museum. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a couple of parts of it that actively show off the um, the capsule and some of the parts of the capsule. So it makes a lot more sense to have it nearby the capsule um, at the museum. So that's quite a big screen they have there, right? It's like a touch screen with Windows running. It is, and I'd say one of the challenges of the project is what it's going to go on. Um, it's going to go on a touchscreen tablet, and people that have worked with touchscreens, they know that every touchscreen is different, and how's it going to react. And so I was a little bit blind building it in that I didn't, I was just 
hoping it would work out all right. I certainly suggested the sort of kiosk and things that I wanted, but um, uh, but yeah, I was kind of building it, and then the museum actively was getting this touch screen. I can't remember the size. It's like I think it's. I would say it's about like the twenty five, twenty seven, twenty eight inches diagonal, right? I I would say it's about forty inches diagonal. It's a pretty good size oh screen. even bigger yeah i only saw pictures you know so it's hard to, to, to get the sense of it yeah yeah it's a, it's a good size screen um so uh so yeah i had to make sure it works on there um now the, the size of the screen and the resolution are of course not independent you know of each other so the resolution is maybe 19 full, full 20 HD, probably yeah you know it's it's um it's big, but of course that doesn't like the resolution doesn't keep scaling up with the size of the device. So um Yes. Uh and and plus there's a point where you don't see it as much. So I I don't think I built it at nineteen twenty, but I built it in the correct aspect ratio. ratio. Yeah. So has the screen size or the or or knowing slash not knowing the screen resolution uh, you know, had an impact on how you're making the decisions about the the story size and storyline. I suggested the at least the resolution I was kind of heading towards, or the aspect ratio. So we were able to get a kiosk that fit pretty well. Um, but I did notice that because uh, I originally I started working on like a 1920 size storyline file, and very quickly I was like, ah, you know what? It's it's a little bit slow in parts and i can feel it's heavy on the device processing wise mm-hmm. so i kind of had to play around a little bit to f- find a happy medium and honestly don't remember what that is offhand <laughs> what the size was um but it did take a little bit of uh testing a little playing around and then finally i got to go to the museum put it on the device um and uh you know test it a little bit more and what what was the first like trying to play with that on a big screen it it's fun you know i this is probably the first project i did on a screen that size that was just full interactive and i gotta say storyline worked very well works very well um the, the you know one of the things that is a little frustrating is that uh storyline doesn't it's not supported on on pcs touchscreen pcs um, what, what do you mean? I don't understand. They don't actively try to correct. Oh, like the storyline, the development tool. Okay. Yeah. You know, okay. like they do, you know, like I can put it on most tablets and I'm in pretty good shape touchscreen wise, but on a PC, I hope, I hope it works. Uh, okay. So not the storyline, the project that was exported and it runs in Internet Explorer or Edge does not work well with a touchscreen windows tablet it's it's questionable uh-huh. like for instance i had some problems with touch and drag oh yeah you know? yeah um so there's some there's little things like that that aren't as supported as they might be on a tablet so that was a challenge i had dragging i don't know how it works now but i remember like one year two years ago that even on ipads i had some funny dragging bugs yeah yeah it reacts different and to be honest it, it reacts different in different browsers as well and Dave, Julie, let's just step back. What was the the project about? What the I mean, you told us Gemini Eight mission, but 
did they give you the materials? Did you have to do research? How did that, like, the final content came about? Yeah, so the museum itself, of course, they actively want to uh, educate their their visitors and, and mm-hmm. um, leave them with a lot of information, um, interest, excitement in this information. And so there was this bit of a gap in that they've got the capsule, but they don't really have the... Um, the details of the mission. Um, and uh, so uh, just a little bit of background, I had put together a prototype and sent it to them and said, hey, what do you think about this idea? Um, they really liked the idea. So um, we started to talk about, okay, well, what content, you know, how are we going to really put this thing together? And um, so we had to kind of break it down by kind of sections, you know, like, okay, there's the mission, right? So there's what is Project Gemini? A lot of people know the Apollo missions landing on the moon, but Gemini was about testing all this stuff mm-hmm. um, first. You know, can we even do stuff in space? So they had a lot of stuff to do there. So we wanted to educate people on that. Then there's the crew, um, Neil Armstrong and David Scott. This is their first mission in space. Um, then there is the mission itself. So how do we kind of interactively, visually tell the story of the mission? And then there's the capsule, you know, so it's like mission aside in a way, the capsule's right here. And what can we tell them about the capsule? You know, what are these buttons? What does this do? Um, You know, all this sort of stuff. So we kind of first wanted to break it down into these buckets. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I was really interested in, you know, what what are people interested in? Because this is a museum. So it's kind of unique in that you've got different people of all ages nationalities, all sorts of different things coming to this museum mm-hmm. and they have no idea, um, you know, that they don't know that this is going to be there. So it's, it's mainly yeah. based on their interests. So their interests are all over the place. So, and, and I first, guess, sorry for jumping in. And I guess, you know, because of like the age range, you sort of, I guess you have to combine like visual stuff and big text with, you know, detailed information that you can get if, if you want, right? That's right. Yeah. So a couple of things. We first off, even before we were getting into the details, we it made sense to have kind of two two um, categories of information. One being like this high level, real quick read, and then a detailed um, additional kind of information block. Mm-hmm. So you know, someone who just wants to kind of go through the museum uh, can that they'll see the. The, the big stuff, they'll get the information they need out of that. But if they want to read more, if they want more detail, that's there as well. So, um, and then just to backtrack a little bit, we were, you know, what information is actually going to go into all these categories? Um, luckily, because the museum does have someone standing there often talking to people and talking about the mission, they've been able to gather a lot of questions from visitors. So, they know all this stuff that people typically have interest in, some of the obscure things they have interest in, and can. So we try to gather all that up. Um, and again, we wanted a very open navigation because you know the, this person here might want to know about the mission. This person might want to know about the crew. Mm-hmm. You have no idea. Yep. So it needs to be very easy for people to kind of wander around in this in this program. But um, what I did was I put together a kind of rough storyboard based on the information that we discussed. And then um, I let them, I basically shared it. It's like a Google Doc. They 
added to it, edited, added additional thoughts or some links to images and various things. And we had this very iter- iterative process back and forth to keep defining things out. I kind of continued prototyping and working on things. So very iterative process. Yeah. yeah. And because it's a kiosk and it's, um, how can I say, it's, it's supposed to attract visitors, come uh, take a look at me, yes. you know, in, in a sense. You, from what I've seen, you have, your approach was to have nice, lovely archive footage of, of the launch, right? And it loops in the background. Is that correct? That's correct. I mean, it's an, one of the reasons I really love this project is you really can't go wrong, wrong with it. You've got rockets lifting off. Oh, yeah, it's perfect. Sma- space emergencies. <laughs> um, you know, the crew, Neil Armstrong and David Scott, who are amazing astronauts. You've got all this video and stuff, and it's like, you know, I, I barely had to do anything, and, it, and it's 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 a neat project just because I could reuse yeah. um, a lot of the, these assets. Um, but you know, it was kind of a I wanted to balance it because I don't want to draw you away from the capsule, which is an awesome thing. So you know, I kept it a very dark interface, but then I wanted to have um, these videos occur. So one thing I want to do in storyline is have like this underlying. Uh, timer which is always counting down um when you're not interacting with it uh-huh. so that it can kind of kick into a screensaver mode to kind of say you know hey you know come over here and interact with me uh so that was a a little bit of a challenge to get that working and find kind of the right amount of time to let that uh uh count down to so but, uh, it works very well so let me just guess. So, you, okay, you have the counter and the thing is idle for one minute and then you jump to a slide or a layer and display yeah. something and uh, until someone interacts. When they interact and when they click on the uh, on the kiosk, then you jump to the, the, the actual thing. Exactly. There's always a menu on the bottom, um, real simple menu covering those key topics so that um, it's easy to jump around. So that's always there, even in screensaver mode. Mm-hmm. But basically, I want to do as much as I could in the master slide, um, you know, so that menu's on the master slide. So if someone wants to, if we want to make a quick change to it, I don't have to like change it all throughout the course or the course, the project. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then. Um, uh, and then the timer and a number of these other things, I, I wanted all this stuff to happen in the master slide. Um, but with a project with so many layers and various things, there's, there were some challenges there, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it basically just jumps you into a new slide. Um, I think I have a fade transition, you know, or, yeah. or not trend. Is it transition? Yeah. yeah it fade is, transition it yeah. so that it, uh, you know, it's nice and smooth throughout the, uh, the project, but it, it, it works really well um, to kind of um, draw your attention to it. Nice. What were the challenges? What was the biggest one? What was the something that you thought it's going to be easy and then you had to scratch your head for a second or an hour? I'd say one of the bigger ones outside of just making sure it works in the kiosk is the, I, I needed a bunch of stuff to just, stay on top of everything in Storyline. And Storyline doesn't inherently have like a checkbox to say, keep this layer in the master slide on top at all times. And Mm -hmm. I had a lot of, I wanted the project to feel very kind of 
organic and you know i wanted like a lot of images and stuff to come under the menu you know so i i had to you know i didn't just have like a a box at the bottom that was the menu it's just kind of all overlaid all the time over things Mm -hmm. and because each slide maybe had a bunch of layers i constantly had to i had to find a way to smoothly have that menu just always on top so yeah um i knew how to do it but there was it was there's so many tweaks and little additional triggers to kind of yeah. check things and make sure it's working right and um so basically little, every time you show the layer you said bring that layer up <laughs> right i mean exactly yeah, yeah. just show the layer again for yeah, the mask. well yeah. actually yeah. Y- yeah i mean realistically you have to We've talked about this before. Set a ver- change a variable, and then the variable changes, and yes. then the master slide goes. Oh, variable changed. Show yeah. the layer. And luckily, Storyline is very the way they built it. I shouldn't say luckily; they built it that that way. It does pop that layer up, and you you don't see it. You know, you don't feel that. Oh, it. Yeah, it, yeah. something happened there. There's not a. There's, it's, there's no blink there's no, or something. Exactly. There's no blink. Yeah. That was a huge thing. I had some concern about that, especially <laughs> like as imagine. I add more graphics and videos and oh, things. Yeah. yeah, that happen in the background. So, uh, it, it was very smooth. Um, and I I do have kind of a sub menu, you know, so you could be on crew, and then there's uh, Neil Armstrong and David Scott. So if you're on Neil Armstrong, I want that to be highlighted, you know. So I also have to keep track of all these variables like, okay, well, first off, this is the category I'm in, and then this is the subcategory item I'm on. And then that menu had to constantly be checking for all this. So it, it looks really simple on, on screen, but there's it's one of those things where you have to put a lot of effort into making something look simple. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, Th- that's exactly it. For the user, it's simple. For you, it was like... Two weeks of thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of crying and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. My my wife going, it'll be okay. You'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> all encouraging. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd say another just issue I had, or maybe challenge I had, was that I wanted to visualize the emergency that took place in space because there's a little bit of video of them uh, of them doing some stuff from inside, pointed out into space. But there's not like video of the space capsule doing this really heavy roll. So yeah. the emergency was there was a stuck thruster. They got up to spinning to about a revolution a second mm-hmm. and almost into blackout and, you know, could have easily killed them both up there. But they're astronauts. They they figure it out. Um, but to help people visualize that, the museum was, you know, they always, they, they had some difficulty sometimes just visually showing what that emergency was like. And so I wanted to visualize that in our project, but I didn't really have the background to do that. Um, luckily, Tony O'Dell, who I work with, who is an excellent 3D animator, helped me out and created a number of nice 3D animations to help kind of tell that story. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that added a whole lot to the project. Okay, so he he helped with some with some 3D animation of the roll, the spin. Yeah, so we had to kind of 3D. Uh, model and animate the um, space capsule and the various other things in space and had to work with the museum to make sure it it kind of actively um, rolls the right way at the right speed and um, it was a it was a complex complex thing mm-hmm. 
but I was told I was told Neil Armstrong's son was there, and he gave us a thumbs up on the accuracy. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, th- those were the main challenges. Then everything else was just you know spending the time to make sure it's a nice, smooth, easy to you know transition from screen to screen, and had a nice navigational system. It was just not difficulty, but just time-consuming to make sure it all worked out really well and smoothly. Yeah, I mean, basically, it has to be bulletproof because in that, you know, environment, uh, it just it has to work. It does. Yeah. You've got kids that'll go up to the screen and just rub their hands all over it. Yes. And, <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, I, I was concerned about that, but I've been to the museum many times now and just people watched a bit to see if there's bugs or issues or whatever... And um, it's held strong. So, so, so from the launch, you haven't fixed the thing. Um, no, I have updated it uh-huh. slightly, but I've not had to like resolve um, a bug or something. No, I think there is something I did fix that was just something I wanted to kind of make work a little bit better. I like an image was slow to load because of the way I had it. So, you know, there were some things that I just wanted to fix up a little bit. Tune up, yeah. But, yeah. but somehow, <laughs> somehow for like, I don't know how many, it's, you know, like a year of this thing being available to people every day, like just messing with it, somehow it has kept working. <laughs> awesome. And how was the, that's what I wanted to ask earlier. Um, when you got it running on the kiosk, how did you... I mean, you had to be there and test it. So did you bring a laptop to maybe update on the fly and try again and try to fix something? Did you did you have that process or it was all so smooth you didn't even have to do that? I did do that. Um, when, when they got the kiosk, I went up there and we, um, uh, I basically just, I had, I had several days where I went up there. The museum isn't too far from where I live. So I could go up there, spend the day, there were, um, there's days of the year where like nobody, you know, they're actively there working on, on a Monday, but there's no visitors on a Monday. So I, I could just work on it and spend the time and test and, and trial and error on some things. So, uh, so yes, I did have to do some testing. I do have, did have to do some initial fixing of some things. Uh, but, uh, plus I should say too, um, we, I have some software on the kiosk to, really uh, lock the kiosk down you know i mean you need a there's a lot of effort to be able to make any changes to the operating system yeah um there's passwords there's keys that you need there's all sorts of things there's hardware that you need to add to it to make any sort of changes to it so so i wanted to i had to make sure that people couldn't come in and somehow move it around and kind of sneak in and crash out the browser and what was the browser? Is it Chrome? Uh, yes, it's Chrome. Um, I, I don't remember the software offhand. I'll try to look it up and maybe we can put it in the show notes. But there's some software, and I tried a couple different softwares out there made for kiosk security. Mm-hmm. And it uh, basically is made to automatically, when, it, when the device starts up, because if there's, let's say the power goes down or whatever, um, or I wanted to leave them with a, hey, if there is a problem, unplug it and plug it back in, um, reboot it, um, turn it off and turn it back on again. Um, I, I didn't want any extra effort on their end. So 
it'll boot up and boot right into that full Chrome um, view and then launch the um, the story.html in that Chrome instance. Nice. Awesome. Well, I had... I was playing with with Kiosk software on the iPad. You know, it's also available, uh, and I used the, the free version, so I had a small banner somewhere at the bottom. It wasn't even a full width banner; just I don't know, two hundred pixels, let's say. Mm-hmm. And it's v- very interesting because when you run it, uh, you say like, "This is the URL. This is a timeout." So. Basically, after, I don't know, one minute, it restarts the web page. You know, it reloads, so it starts from the beginning. Uh, there's no edges anywhere, every, anywhere, you know. And I was playing around with setting up the, the storyline resolution to the same as the iPad, and everything was edge-to-edge. It really, it really like, transformed iPad to whatever I wanted. So it, you can play around with that, and maybe, you know, you, you could do... Because for me, I was I was thinking about this kind of approach for there were some companies asking me if we could do like a quick tutorial at the gates. You know, when truck driver comes to the gate of the company, they have to do like a quick training how to navigate throughout the company and where to go and where they shouldn't go. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about, okay, I could do a storyline. They could, you know, they just do, do a quick tutorial here then the at the end they would print some print something from a wireless printer there that's like a quick idea so there are definitely applications for this like a big kiosk like yours or maybe just an ipad a tablet so yeah i the, i think there's like a niche here that we could we could explore uh, explore as storyline developers it's definitely an interesting thing because i 99.999 percent of my the stuff I do ends up in an LMS, you know. Yeah. Um, so this was kind of unique and had some new challenges. Um, and um, I'm, I'm glad it worked so well. <laughs> yeah, good job, man. Yeah, it really, it really looks well. From what I've seen, nice, nice work. And I was happy that, uh, uh, I, I'm happy that I was able to be a part of, of your uh, journey because I know you, you showed me some stuff uh, you were exploring while it was in development. Yeah. Yeah, and Nate's if you or anyone listening is in Wapakoneta, Ohio, where Neil Armstrong was was uh, born near and raised, um, and uh, parents lived there when he was on the moon. So it's very a it's very much a uh, landing on the moon's a, a big part of Wapakoneta and uh, the museums there. So if you're ever out that way, it's a great uh, little museum on Neil Armstrong. I'd check it out. Nice. I, I well, I, I honestly. I can't wait to be there one day and check it out with you, you know, in person. That that will be the day. Yep. When you're in my area, we'll run out to Wapakoneta and, and check it out. Find me in the neighborhood. I'll ring you up, man. <laughs> Perfect. So, Nate, what's a project that's like up there as one of your favorite projects? Well, the one we spoke about earlier is definitely one of them because, like, you you said you mostly work with LMSs, of course, of courses for LMSs. So this was a totally different thing uh, with the museum and kiosk. Well, mine is still an LMS, but a slightly different approach than usual. So uh, I, I'm working with this client, a great guy. Um, he works a lot in Rise, and he teaches things. I mean, he has, he's he's the proper subject matter expert, one would say. Uh, and he had an idea that he would like to present to to his to their client his clients uh 
And the idea was, I, ha- I must be a bit um, vague here, but that, the, the, that we would make a sort of a tool that the user could go in and, you know, they would do some things, they would write some data, they would move some boxes around, and then they would save it and, and close the project. And because, you know, Storyline has the resume, resume course functionality, so basically it stores, it stores what you have done in the course. So I was thinking, okay, I think I could use that for this project, you know. So the, the tool basically resides in an LMS. I was testing it in mine. So you open it up, you have the introduction page, you go to the next slide, and then there's the tool, you know. So you, you, you know, you, you double click on some boxes, write something in, put the boxes in certain positions, then you would, you would click save and then you could close it. And the next time you opened it in the LMS, you could resume, you know, and maybe add more boxes or change some text. So it's, it's, it's like, like sort of web tool, you know, that's, that's using LMS for, for storage and states. So the challenge was, First, I had to figure out when the storyline save things. How does that even work? So uh, I quickly learned that if you close the course on a on a slide and then reopen, when storyline reloads that slide, it doesn't have the saved states. You know, so I quickly realized: okay, if if user is working on this tool and I'm on this slide. Before they close it, I ba- they they basically have to click save. And what the the save thing does, it jumps to another slide and then it jumps back to my slide. You know, so at that point, it already the states were saved. You know, because I left the slide. You know, does it make sense? It it does. I've, been, I've I have run into the situation where yeah, you have to leave the slide for it to save. Exactly. Like that's yeah. that's the. It doesn't do it when you. Like if I just change a variable on the slide, no, yeah, it, it may be set that way in Storyline, but it hasn't sent any information to the yeah. LMS. Is that is that right? Yes, correct. I mean, it it just it doesn't save when you're on when you're now on the slide. You have to go away from the slide, and then of mm-hmm. course, because of the nature of the whole thing, I have to come back. You know. So basically, I just jump for a split second somewhere. So the save button just jumps on the on the next slide and comes back. You know, so it's, there's actually actually a bit of a blinking thing. You know, because I have no idea what the states are, so I cannot and I cannot fake and duplicate the second slide and then come back. So it's just a bit of a blink on the screen at that moment. Um, so that was the the first challenge, but I I solved that one. I, I realized what was the problem. So actually, the current challenge is how do you make this autosave, you know? So I was thinking maybe when there's an idle, I don't know, 15 seconds, nothing happens. At that point, I can jump, you know, by myself to the next slide and back. So that was one idea of an autosave. I think that might work actually really well. Uh, And then I had one, I was thinking maybe I could just have an exit button. So the button exits mm-hmm. the course but before it does it jumps back and forward and actually i had i didn't quite solve that one because for some reason um the problem is after you exit the course 
you cannot change anything, of course, which makes which it, which makes sense, right? So I, I I know I still have the problem of if I leave the course and then I return back, how do I tell the storyline that now I'm back? So please don't exit again, you know, if the variable has been set. Oh right, yeah. If you go to another little page, yeah. Tell me if I'm saying this right. Okay. If you go to another page with the exit uh, trigger on it, let's say. Yes. You want it to shut down, but 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 when you come back, it'll it'll pick up from where it left off, so it could go right back to that exit screen and exit again, because you can't leave the you can't leave the exit slide to another slide that has the trigger to exit <laughs> to save that you haven't that you're. Yeah, yeah. You, you run into, and you can't have this little trigger to say, um, "I'm exiting next time, come back," because you've never, you haven't left <laughs> that that slide to another slide to set that in the LMS. So you run into like, I think, am I say, yeah, is this right? You run into this loop. I think you got it. Yeah, yeah. I think you put it better. Uh, Whew, yeah, but, that's a tough one. But you're talking about it. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I just had an idea right now. So maybe instead, I know I'm doing something in the sense of you know, variable uh, exit course equals true or something like that. So maybe I should do the toggle variable, you know, maybe that one is because when you return, if it doesn't toggle anymore, then it can't execute. So maybe while recording, I, I have solved this. <laughs> I'm not well, sure. We'll yet. have to do a uh, follow up. Yeah, a follow up <laughs> episode. So yeah, so just not to get too technical, basically, the, the the main challenge, like I said before, was to figuring out how it saves the the, the this current slide, yeah. And then I ha I guess the next challenge, and not really a challenge, it's it's more like the nature of storyline. The problem is, it's like in every of these boxes, the user writes something, which means I have a text field, and it which which means I have a variable. And then users should be able to add more boxes and write more things. So actually now, after I, I sort of bulletproofed the first box, I have to repeat this process like 50, 50 times because uh, for the user, it has to look like there's unlimited boxes, but in the background, there will be only 50 because we, f we feel like no one will, will reach that number. But uh, it really pains me just to duplicate a bunch of boxes and text boxes and triggers and and. I don't think there's a better idea. So for the future storyline, I really, I'm really waiting for some sort of looping system that could just, you know, make the whole thing easier. Yeah, I wonder if there's some uh, XAPI or you know TinCan API solutions for that. Um, no, it it can't help me because literally it's it's text box that user drops on certain locations on the screen. And then they, they write things inside. So, so, I, so to so to test this, would you have to publish, put it on an LMS? Yeah. You know, if you know, it, to, to make little tweaks, you actually had to go. You couldn't just do a preview. No. You'd have to go through a bit of a process to get it online, go through it. So, was that a little bit of a challenge? Just even the time to spend to get it in the state where you could test each time? Uh, well, just for the state saving, yes. The answer is yes. Because the, the I guess the first part, you know, just doing the interface and everything, um, that, that took a while. And just to figure out how can I prepare the first box so that all the following 
boxes are as easy as possible to duplicate and just, you know, duplicate the box and change, change the triggers. That's what I have to do like 49 times now, which pains me. Um, so, <laughs> so no, uh, the testing, I guess, yeah, it's just, it feels a bit cumbersome because you have to, uh, you know, d- delete the version in the, from the LMS that was, wasn't okay. Upload again, wait, I don't know, for one minute and then run it and test it. And then, of course, you have to test it twice because you have to open it, move something, save, close, open again and see if it was right. saved. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like that is, has been nailed down, but I still have to, I still want to try the exit button now that we spoke. Um, cause the problem, well, really, you, the problem you've been is challenged now. Yeah. Because the, the, the really the problem is if user does something and then they just close everything, it's not going to be safe. They have to actively actively click something in storyline. You know, I was even thinking maybe I should save every time they drop the box on the screen. You know, that's also one version. Um, I wonder if there's now this is slightly cheating from the way that we like to try to do things just in storyline. Yeah, I wonder if there's a JavaScript call to force the the uh, save state the save mm, um, that would be wonderful call that it does but i'm i haven't had to mess with that i don't know if it exists uh i'll i'll ask some of our contacts <laughs> but just from a um just from a stri- you know just from a solving a challenge with the tools of storyline that'd be really interesting to see how yeah. you could get around that I'll have my, f- it, I think this is one of those where, where I really think about it, uh, a lot, like, uh, away from, com- from the computer, like driving or taking a shower, you know, it's just in my mind <laughs> on a loop. <laughs> like, how could, what could I do? It's all, it's all you think about. You've got a wall with just cutouts and magazine. Oh, yeah. Cutouts of loops and things. I, I'm like candles everywhere. I'm like Charlie from the, you know, the screenshot from the, um, Always Sun in Philadelphia. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's what my yep, head looks yep. like when I have a storyline problem. <laughs> yep. Uh, Pepe Sylvia or whatever that was. Yeah. I, and I, post office. And honestly, or, no, I, no, not at the I post haven't office, even the seen that, that area. episode. I only, I only know the screenshot. <laughs> oh, well, it's a good episode. <laughs> It's it's on my list. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Dave, if you don't, if you have any other questions, otherwise, I think we're going to wrap it up. So, I guess one other question is: I suppose that if you had enough, so like, say you had, say, someone was building something similar and had so many uh, areas where they could type in large paragraphs of text and stuff, mm-hmm. there, maybe in a SCORM. 1.2, let's say, where there might be a character count issue in the database as far as storage goes, um, I could see that being a problem. I think SCORM 2004 increases that significantly, but um, did, did you have any issues with, uh, you, you know? Yeah, um, I, think, I, think I'm l- I think I'm lucky in, in that aspect because it's more like um, it's just a few words, you know? Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, you didn't have to. It, it, it's not. It's not a like. A, no, no. It's not an essay that they would write. It's more like uh, small text fields, you know, with data. So uh, yeah. Well, that sounds like a yeah, a really cool, interesting project. And yeah, if you, if you, I I could see all sorts of like ways of using that in in 
you know, just wanting to store yeah. information. Um, and plus you've got stuff too. You know, you've got people that are like, hey, I want to, I, you know, someone coming back to the course, I want it to seem like um, they're taking it as a refresher now. I want to change some things in the course so that it, uh, you know, acts a little bit different. So you might want to store certain information in the variables and whatnot. So when you come back later, mm-hmm. it looks different. I'm sure there's all sorts of of things, uh, situations you could be in. So yeah. just n- knowing that it doesn't save actively and you have to leave the slide and come back is like a huge thing to yeah t- to know going into that sort of uh, struggle. Um, but yeah, really inter- interesting project. And um, once you solve the exit uh, issue, uh, you'll have to uh, tell us all how you how you did that. I will, 100%. You'll be the first one to know. Maybe maybe I'll tell Maya earlier, but <laughs> you'll be the first one That's to know. That's fair. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, fantastic, Dave. It's time to wrap up. So uh, before I ask you where people can find you, I would like to tell to the world that I've been working a lot with video and I've been producing short video tutorials on Storyline, and they're available on all the, no, well, not all the social networks, on Twitter and LinkedIn. It's part of our Master Storyline series, and also on YouTube. So if you search on YouTube for masterstoryline.com, you can, you can find the whole archive there. And it's like two minutes short videos on, on storyline tips and on my personal approaches, how I've tried to solve things or use certain elements of storyline. And uh, the response has been quite great. So if you haven't seen them, I would encourage you to check them out. They are amazing and wonderful. And I have learned quite a bit from them. <laughs> you are lying and you are too kind. I'm not lying. <laughs> You've done. Th- I, maybe I didn't tell you because I didn't want to <laughs> admit I didn't know some things. But um, <laughs> I'll watch them and be like, "Oh, yeah, no, I, I knew that. I knew that, but I didn't." <laughs> so, Dave, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at davidcharney.com. Uh, D-A-V-A-D-C-H-A-R-N-E-Y. The same way I spell my name. Um, and also. Um, do a lot of custom e-learning at uh, Illumin Group, I-L-L-U-M-E-N-G-R-O-U-P.com. you got to spell everything. Um, or elearninglocker.com. Or, no, I'll stop there. Um, and I'm on Twitter and all those fun places. So um, if you have any questions or um, want to see what I'm up to, you can check those out. And how about you, Nate? So where can people find out more about you or contact you? Easiest way is just to find me on Twitter under N-E-J-C-D or just add me on LinkedIn and we'll have a blast. Yeah. And if you have any questions for the Storyline, the Storyline guys, and if you have any questions for the learning guys, we have a contact form on the website, dlearningguys.com. Enjoy everyone and we'll talk to you in one month. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Happy e-learning. <laughs>